Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is Sophia Renee Morales, and I'm here with an amazing panel of conscious healers today. We are going to discuss conscious parenting, and most specifically, healing those ancestral wounds, healing your bloodline of the repeating patterns that have shown up in your family. But before I introduce my panel of guests, I'd like to invite you to get to know your own self a little bit better. I have put together a lovely quiz that looks at what your particular combination of giftedness uh, in this world, mundane gifts, spiritual gifts, have uniquely qualified you to be able to do in your life as part of your life's purpose. And if you're curious about this, take uh, one minute and go to Superpower Quiz, that's superpowerquiz.us and uh, take this 60-second quiz, get to know yourself a little bit better. Again, superpowerquiz.us. And so now, returning to our panel of amazing women, uh, the first I'd like to introduce is Dr. Nicole Dolan. She's a depth-oriented psychologist practicing on the Central Coast of California. She holds a PhD in depth psychology and a master's degree in counseling psychology. Nicole describes her life's work as centering around the gap between psychology and spirituality and is currently authoring her first book about meaningfulness inherent in all things. Our second guest and amazing conscious healer is Carrie Hummingbird. She is a soul guide and the channel of and an embodiment of White Eagle, an ascended master who specializes in rainbow light activation of human DNA. She is a social activist, leader, philanthropist, and has been inspiring people to lead their lives wide awake with authenticity, passion, and purpose for over three decades. She's also the author of Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love, and The Second Way of Transcending the Human Drama. She is also the founder of the Skills Not Pills movement and the host of the Soul Nectar Show. And finally, our third and Equally amazing guest is Dr. Chinwe Akudo, and she is a doctoral prepared nurse practitioner, a psychic, psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, and a certified master life coach. She is, has most of the challenging life event t-shirts, including rejection, domestic violence, and abuse. She currently runs a thriving private practice and leads various nonprofit organizations and has authored the books Celebrate Your Uniqueness and Wellbeing and Beauty Guide. She is a loving mother and loving wife, sorry, and proud mother to four handsome bo boys. And I suspect she's also a very loving mother as well. <laughs> Welcome, ladies. Thank you. So good to have you here with me. I know we had a, an earlier conversation a few months back about healing our relationship with our mother. Uh, and I, I think one of you said we should stop just bitching about our moms. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's one of these things when we choose the vibration of the family that we come to, we choose it for particular reasons. So I 
would love it if one of you ladies would like to talk about how we inherit the wounds and the unconscious patterns and the traumas of our ancestors. How does that, how do you see that when you're working with yourself and with people? Yeah, I'll Carrie. hop in there. Okay, yeah. Carrie. Uh, this has been a real inquiry because I wondered why it was that I had certain dynamics and patterns in my relationships, right? And so in 20 years of exploring myself through psychotherapy and then afterwards exploring myself through energy medicine training, which is really an exploration of the subconscious, I began realizing that many of these things that I was facing in myself and my family were actually inherited ancestral patterns. So just to give a really brief example, I could easily look at my experience with my mother, my mother's experience with her mother, and her mother's experience with her mother to see the repeating pattern of mothers and daughters not being able to communicate with each other or to feel mm -hmm. loved and supported. And so working with the energetics and, and diving into this ancestral healing part, I was able to, to learn, and this was supported by information from my mother after the fact, that actually at a certain point in my ancestry, there was one of our ancestors' mothers who had an overburden of children. She had 13 children. Wow. She was a migrant farm worker, and they were trying to survive. And, of course, in that scenario, like her ability to be loving and present with all of the children, was that's just not possible. you you're got 13 kids, and you're doing your best just to survive. And so a lot of these negative patterns or these ideas of not trusting mother or not feeling closer or nurtured came from that experience. Now, was it bad that that experience was there? I think we need to stop labeling things. We need to just start seeing that this was, this was a life journey that we all as souls chose to have together for the various gifts that it would give you. So for me, I claim a lot of gift from my ancestors being migrant farm workers. I claim a lot of gift in the hard work ethic, in my ability to be disciplined and apply myself, and in the gratitude that I feel for all the abundance that I do receive now as, you know, several generations down the line. So there, there isn't like, um, it's not bad or wrong that that's what happened, but we can trace it back to understand it better, and then we can accept it, allow it, and embrace it, which is the healing of, you know, and I think I was probably one, one of the ones that said, let's stop bitching about our mothers, you know, because, <laughs> you know, really we chose to come in under the, uh, to a, be a child with the parents we chose for a reason, because that inheritance is giving us a starting point for our soul's curriculum, our soul's journey in this lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. How, how do you other ladies see this? Do you have anything you'd like to add to that perspective on the inherited wounds and patterns? I hold a very similar perspective in the sense that I think that we choose a lot of these patterns um, and they are what create us into the beings that we are in this life, right? So a lot of us that are very strong, intentional leaders and healers in this field as women did have, you know, very challenging mothers and, and, and disconnects there, um, which led us down many roads and many paths of our own healing to get to a place where we are. Um, another piece that I want to add in there too, which is kind of fascinating is uh, the research now, because for the people that like the science stuff, yes, <laughs> uh, there's actually research now that shows uh, that the ancestral inherited trauma is actually in the DNA. So not only are we passing it down in this spiritual manner that we can look at it and say, hey, this is an invitation to do this work, we can actually look at it and say, this is, this is really happening. And this is something that we do need to heal. 
Yeah, well, and it, it literally does show up in the epigenetics of your DNA, mm -hmm. uh, which I've always found really super intriguing, even within just my own nuclear family structure, because you can look at the same set of DNA. My mother has it, I have it, my sister has it, my nephew has it, uh, but we all express it differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And it shows up for us in very distinct ways, which have to do, I think, with some of the epigenetics of what comes through the family, but also our particular specific life experiences uh, put us in a situation where we express this same uh, quirk in our DNA in uniquely different ways. Dr. Chin Wei, what do you have yeah. to add to this uh, ancestral patterning? <laughs> yes, for me, I've seen it like um, with me. I, I will want to. I don't want to repeat what anybody has said, but in terms of communication, uh, for me, it's like generationally, it's like from my mother's side, my grandmom came from a mom that can yell, and then my grandmom has that pattern. Even though, I mean, whatever she's communicating might be something loving, but the way and the pattern of communication makes you just hate her and just want to be around her. And unfortunately, I see that trend in my mom. Unfortunately, I see the trend in myself, which is something that I'm trying to be very conscious about because I've seen that it's something that is ancestral and it runs a lot in a lot of people in my maternal side of the family, whereby they just don't know how to communicate love or certain things. And it's just something that is ancestral. But again, knowing better, my goal right now is to make sure that when I catch myself doing the same thing or talking the same manner in the same tone of voice to my own kids, that I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I know how this made me feel. Cause at some point I hated my grandmom so badly because to me, her way of communication was just hatred. I was, I perceived it as hatred, but later on in life, I realized it wasn't hatred. That's just how she learned to communicate, which I wasn't finding funny. And again, now I'm seeing those tendencies in my mother and I'm seeing it in myself as well. But yeah. a work that we have to make sure that we constantly break that generational patterns because we yeah. know better now. It's, it's the energy that comes with the words that mm, you receive, yeah. I think, more strongly as a child than the actual words. And in fact, yes. I had a kind of a mini experience of that mm -hmm. myself today mm -hmm. uh, in that I, there was, I was searching for something. I go down these rabbit holes mm -hmm. and I ran into this spiritual teacher who was talking about spiritual adulting, which mm -hmm. is always intriguing to me because we frequently get caught in uh, what I want to say, immaturities, even on our spiritual path. And so I was curious about her take and I clicked on one of her videos and oh my goodness, the energy that she puts her message across with was really intense that I was receiving it almost like this woman is fueled by some kind of hate back mm. here. Now, some of that is going to be my own interpretation and the own filter that it's coming through. But uh, it reminded me when you were talking about your grandmother of this mm -hmm. same experience. Mm -hmm. So how do we, when we're noticing these things, how do we start to shift these things for ourselves and then eventually for our families? Because I know sometimes patterns seem to have like this life of their own <laughs> and they don't want to go so easy. 
I want to I want to just say like for me what has really helped me is um trying to be aware of my own feelings like for my kids now I mean sometimes when I go off and I talk certain way and when I catch myself out like kind of call them and say you know what I know I said certain things a certain way just know that mommy loves you I might have sounded harshly but look at why I said what I said you know, kind of try to do for them what no one ever did for me. Because when, in those days, when I was talked to in a setting where nobody ever sat me down to say, you know, I spoke to you this way because I love you, because I'm scared, because I don't want you to make a mistake or whatever. Nobody ever gave me all the explanation. So in my head, my little head misinterpreted it as hatred as, I mean, she don't yeah. want me. He hates me. But now knowing that I went through the same thing and made me feel this way i have to make it a point of duty to make sure that i am explaining when i catch myself doing that i'm taking a minute to sit back and say listen come back here mommy loves you mommy might have sounded this way but i don't mean to sound that way i'm sorry there's no harm in saying sorry that was one word nobody ever said to me nobody ever said yes. to me oh i'm sorry i spoke to you this way no never ever ever done but now i know that i have to say sorry to my kids i call them from time to time and i, I remind them of my love i reaffirm them of how much i love them what they mean to me and whatever i say don't take it if i say it the way you don't like it don't take it that way just know that at the end of the day mommy wants the best for you even though it might not come yeah. out the way that it's meant to come out sometimes or just know that your mommy loves you. I, I love that you offer the explanation for why you behaved in the way you did because I know as a child I made up a lot of reasons <laughs> for why things happened that had nothing to do with reality. Mm -hmm. What did you have to add, Nicole? I was just going to really echo that and bring kind of the, psych the psychology piece of that too, right? Because you're talking about repair and repair is the most important part of rupture with our kids because we still do make mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was having a funny moment where I was like, my daughter kind of popped in and I was like, oh, I have this spiritual warrior of a child, which one way that she lets me know or how, like you were asking Sophia, like how do we recognize in the moment how to change that? My daughter will echo back to me my tone instantly. Or like if my if I wind up getting frustrated and my frustration level like goes up, her hers goes up tenfold and she just sits <laughs> it right back. She's yeah. a little amplifier. <laughs> she's four. It back. So it's not like she's actually like conscious, you know, arguing with me. It's just she's consistently showing me. And and it's it's been a real blessing in a lot of ways because we do come back and do that rupture. And now we even have this moment where like we're both like, okay, all right, let's just like redo our tone. Um, so. I, oh, I love that. I love that part about the, the repair and about actually being willing to be strong enough in yourself as a parent that you can hold space to hear your child's perspective and to acknowledge your child's feelings and to say, I really feel what you're saying. I hear what you're saying and I feel what you're feeling and wow, that's really painful that you felt that way. And to not be in a space of um, expecting our child to make us feel better about the thing that we just did. You know, that's really our work as parents. We have to step in, and then you're talking about spiritual adulting, and do our own inner work. And I think it's easier to do that when we, when we look at it from a different point of view. It's not about being perfect 
You know, mm-hmm. there is no perfect, you know. So when I, when I hear the word conscious parenting, sometimes I get nervous that people are going to think, oh, gosh, this is like the next layer of like being perfect and I'm really going to screw oh. this up. And <sighs> it's more about like realizing at a higher level that this relationship is teaching you and you're teaching your child. So your child teaching you, you're teaching your child. It's a humility. It's like a humbleness being a humble human and realizing, wow, you're teaching me so much. I tell my kids often, you are my greatest teacher. I am learning so much from you. Thank you for, for teaching me this. I'm really learning a lot. And that is so empowering for them to hear that too, because there's, it's like, it breaks that idea that there's like this hierarchy of knowing or this hierarchy of wisdom. No, they have wisdom inside themselves. And I believe we're here to empower that and help them to know it, you know, and we're the first one to tell them. Like you taught me so much just now. I was in a pattern, right? And I got angry just like my mom used to get angry with me and I just did it to you and I want to apologize. Tell me how it made you feel while you're teaching me so much. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And I I love that you you brought up this whole specter of the perfect parent. (laughs) I know a lot of us, (laughs) we go through these childhoods and whether we have kids now or not, Many of us, myself, I will own this, are in the process of reparenting ourselves. Um, and so I, if you don't have kids, I don't want you to tune out <laughs> because it's so important to reparent yourself so that you are setting a, a good relationship with the other people in your life, with the world, with society as a whole. I think when we allow ourselves to remain injured and to not take the steps to reparent and support ourselves into a new way of being, we end up hurting ourselves and a lot of the people around us when we don't take those opportunities to heal those wounds. We're coming up on our first break already. And so if you're out there listening to us, I would love it if you would grab your pen and paper and spend a few minutes with yourself around where are some of the places where there are still those sore spots, those places where it it hurts when somebody uh, leans into those places. Because a lot of times, our, our triggers, our buttons, we build these great bulwarks around them so that the world never comes near it and never brushes up against it. And that those bulwarks are a sure sign that there's work in there to be done. And your life becomes much more freer and easier once you can identify where those buttons still are and do the work to just unplug the button. So take a few minutes, make a list of maybe a couple of places you might just maybe want to lean into, and we'll be right back from the break. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to TellZofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A.com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's TellZofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. 
In a Realm is a free monthly holistic health magazine that promotes total health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. We're a much-loved community resource for both alternative and traditional healing. We're in our 24th year of educating our readers about innovative therapies aimed at stress reduction, emotional healing, diet modification, energy healing, body movement therapies like yoga and tai chi, and so much more. Restore your soul, find your balance, and elevate your life with Inner Realm. Find us at innerrealmmagazine.com. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I'm here with my amazing panel of healers, Nicole Dolan, Carrie Hummingbird, and Dr. Chinwe Okuda. And um, before we went to break, I asked you to make a list of some of the places, might be one, might be two, might be more, where you're kind of protecting these sensitive, wounded places, these triggers. And Dr. Nicole said that she had a personal example she'd like to share with us to kind of get us going if you had trouble coming up with something. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So in my experience, to share it briefly, um, I realized when I had my daughter, my first child, that I was harboring a lot of anxiety. And yet Mm. I was so good at protecting myself from seeing that. So I had ways where I didn't even know it existed because if my senses, I'm I'm a highly sensitive person. So if my senses uh, through a sensory level got overwhelmed, I was quick to exit the situation, right? Oh, this doesn't align with me. This doesn't feel good. I'm going to go over here. Yeah. Um, And same thing with like if noises were too loud or or whatever. So when my child was born, she cried for eight, nine, 10 hours a day for about nine months. And it invited me. It was only the beginning of my invitation to go into some experiences in my own childhood that caused a lot of anxiety, as well as other traumas in my history that were very sensory related, where too much sensory input was incredibly painful for me. And mind you, I'd already done a a ton of work on this stuff already, um, but it it was the anxiety that I actually was carrying and had no idea that was there until I was invited into that, that healing. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because she, she offered you also a doorway into another way to deal with it, right? Because when you're at a conference or whatever, you can go, okay, I'm done, I'm out. 
Right. When it's your child crying in the next room, you don't have the option to book out the door, oh right? Oh, <laughs> you, you're, you've been invited to step closer. Exactly. And to speak to that, right? So I would go into a fight, flight, freeze response, right? Because it's it's too overwhelming. My body can't handle that. So I go into a trauma response. But you can't, right? Because you're not going to fight your infant who's crying. You're not going yeah. to drop them on the floor and run away. And, and, and she's and not doing it to you to be mean or anything. Yep. So my yeah. invitation really became to do that, to do that work. Um, mm-hmm. And without doing that, parenting would have been much, much different for me and for her. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. love that you just brought that up, Nicole, because it really speaks to what I've embraced on my own journey as a mother is that it wasn't a problem the things that were happening like it didn't match my perfect mother mentality it didn't match (laughs) what I thought it was going to be like I always see these people that just had their babies and they've got those beautiful photos where it's so romantic and it's like so lovely Mm -hmm. and I just go oh that's so sweet because that'll last like about five more minutes really sweet you know oh five like 30 (laughs) seconds right So I, I, because I had this idea that it should have been a certain way. And then I would, of course, compared myself to everybody in my mom's group, right? And how they were doing it. And they looked like they were so much more successful with it than me. And, and I had, and then I would just bring that into my psychotherapy. Like, how come I'm such a failure as a mother and I can't, I'm screwing this up. Oh my goodness. And social media just amplifies the the hell out of it, right? Because you don't see the, the (laughs) 3am I've had, you know, half hour sleep and I'm being drug out of bed for the fourth time to change poopy diapers, right? You don't no. see that on a social media no. feed. But I love Just this perspective. I love this perspective that Nicole, you're bringing in is like, is like, it was the start of your initiation into being a mother. Like a mother is an archetype. It's like an entire soul level archetype that we're being invited to at this time. And whether or not you're having children, if you're feeling this, if you feel called to purpose, if you feel like, gosh, I know I meant to serve and nurture other people like Dr. Chinway is doing in her center, like you're called a nurture, you're called a guide, you're being called into the mother archetype. That's a whole lesson plan it's a it's a phd program oh my goodness yes it's a degree all by itself (laughs) so you're not supposed to know it when you start when you start a phd program you don't know that stuff you don't know what to expect no you're learning it so your child knows that about you like your soul child knows that you don't know this yet you know and they they agreed to come in to be your child so Mm -hmm. there is an agreement there right Uh, dr chinway i know you've got something to say about this well, for me, um, I think with my first child, it was it was an eye opener for me. With what, I, I don't know what to expect, and but I think when I had my set of twins was when reality really set in. Cause having a little two year old and then having these two little creatures that both of them take turns to keep you awake all night. Yes, as you're finishing with the other one. Then here goes the second one. And as you're finishing with our here goes the two-year-old that wakes up and feels like these two creatures have showed up from nowhere to take his space. Where am I in this whole thing? Then you have mm-hmm. to know that one. And by the time you're done with all that, you feel lost. Like at some point I felt lost. Like what am I supposed to be doing with my life anymore? I'm in school doing all this, having all these kids. Then I have to learn how to be a mother. I have to learn how to juggle my life as a career woman 
as a student and as a mother and as a wife. I mean, that was a shock. No one really prepares you for this uh, stuff like that. And you don't know how to be perfect with stuff like that because it's something that you don't know what to expect. You're faced with it and you just have to figure a way to go through it. Yeah, exactly. So how does this desire to be like a perfect mother kind of get in the way of being like the real mother that your child needs in that moment? I think it's programming. I think it's pro cultural programming and conditioning. I mean, look at the 50s and the television comes out in the 50s, starts programming people's mindsets like like in this amazing epidemic that's so much more successful than all previous attempts to program people's consciousness. Oh like my goodness, yes, vacuuming in their dress and their pearls, right? It's just like, the, <laughs> you know, so we, we've all like bought into the Kool-Aid of the June Cleaver mother, right? We're still buying into that. And it's like, here's your cookies, sweetheart. Here's your cookies. It'll make it all better. And you know what? Cookies don't make it better. No, they They're, just give you childhood have, diabetes. <laughs> and now we've got, you know, we've got all, we've got this like quick fix attitude. Like, like we're supposed to be happy and cheerful as mothers and always positive and like, you know, just like lift them right out of that problem. And, and that's not actually our job. Actually, our job, I believe, is to hold their hand when they're going through crap and to hope that they go through a lot of crap before they leave home. So that you can actually help them through that so they know how to like have life skills of coaching themselves out of the mess so yes. that they don't get into the world and think, oh, my life's supposed to be perfect. perfect. And then and, they yeah. find out it's not. And then they think they're broken and there's something wrong with them. So then they end this whole, they start this whole cycle that we've all been through. Like yes. this June Cleaver model has got to go. Like no more well, cookies, please. No yeah, more and, McDonald's, no more cookies. No more and this scooping people <laughs> up out of their messes is like the worst possible thing you can do. Right. Nicole like had something. 98% of the time. Go ahead, Nicole. What do you got? <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I agree with that. And I would also say that it's projection, meaning whatever it is that lives within us that we found to be really painful and we haven't quite dealt with, we will project onto our children. Absolutely. My moments with my children and it's, it's sad and I still deal with it. And this is my non-perfection as a parent is I will like, like the, the blessing and the curse of what I do, right? The curse is that I am always, and too much. So I need to work on this thinking of the ways that I can traumatize my children. So it's always consistent <laughs> with me. Like, Oh, am I making a mistake? Right? Like yes. I, I missed yes. a flight the other day and I I'm in the airport. Everybody in the airport is screaming and mad because the flight got canceled. I'm crying because I'm like, I'm not going to be with my children today. And what does that mean? Yeah. Right. And and are they going to be permanently scarred because mommy didn't arrive home from her trip on time? Exactly. Yeah. And so how, how, how do you notice, uh, the, yeah. this, is, this is an important thing for me. How do you realize what is the flag that pops up for you and you go, oh, I'm projecting. What, what's one of the signs for you? Because we all have these these moments where it's like, oh, oh, wait, there it is. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty conscious about it just because of my my path and, and where I am. So I'm pretty aware of it right away. But I would say for somebody who's kind of beginning this work to start paying attention to where they're just not acting like themselves, right? Like where their mm. affect level gets a little bit bigger than they may have expected or where you have that moment and you say, Oh my gosh, I sound like my mother. That's the one that came to my mind. It's like, Oh my God, my mother yeah. says that. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and also paying attention to what's happening in your body. Right. So mm. I love this one. Like when you have a power struggle with your child, the way that you can tell is, is if it's a power struggle is your body will actually feel like fighting them. Mm. <laughs> like you'll be like, oh, oh no. I'm going to take on this three-year-old. <laughs> right? That's a warning flag. That's a, okay. Something's coming up in me right now. And what does that, what does that mean for me? Mm. Yeah. I love that. Cause yeah. in, you know, it's like, I've learned that that's the discomfort that is a sign that there's something in me that's actually transmuting right now because I believe our children often, and people in our life in general, are often doing things out of their own naturalness that then provoke you potentially into an awareness of something going mm -hmm. on inside of you that needs healing, right? And our children mm -hmm. are the number ones to do this because mm -hmm. they're, you know, like when I started seeing my son go through the challenges he was going through, I, my heart just went out to him and I, I wanted to fix it, right? And I wanted to change it. And I was, and my brain kept going, oh, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. That's exactly the pattern my mom did with me. So mm. I had to learn to untrain that. It's like to untrain the end training. It's like, there's nothing wrong with him. He's being exactly who he needs to be right now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't match my expectation so the place I need to do is look at my expectation of why do I think he ought to behave a certain way. And then that's what I was talking about, the narcissistic mother within me, that one in me that wanted him to look the way all the other kids were looking so I could be a good mother yeah. mm. and be perceived as a good mother. Yeah. yeah, It's placing a false expectation on him for what his behavior actually is by default. I'm wanting him to be something he's not. Yeah. 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 Okay. So once, once we've noticed, okay, I'm, I'm doing this projection thing. I've got this narcissistic mother thing that has kicked in. How do you start then to get space around that? How do you actively make space for yourself to deal with it? Because a lot of time this happens and we're like deep in the fray and there's this tantrum going on in the middle of the grocery store. <laughs> so tactically, how do you deal with it in those moments of like fraughtness? Disengage first, because you're actually going to go into your, your trauma response often. You are going to go into that fight or flight response. So first thing to do is to, to disengage, like back up a little bit and check yourself, right? Like if you're recognizing that that's happening and you're recognizing the discomfort in your body and you feel yourself, you know, wanting to, to fight or, or get out of there, it's, it's recognize that. And then also pay attention to what you're telling yourself, right? So Carrie, you're talking about that too, but specifically to give like a, a tool for that pay attention to what you're telling yourself because when you start to hear the narrative in your head, you will start to hear, oh, I need my child to get off the floor of Trader Joe's right now so everybody thinks that I'm not crazy, which I have yes. done there. <laughs> yeah, he's calling attention to me right now and I feel awkward, right? And it's my awkwardness because I don't want him to be screaming because people are looking at me mm -hmm. and that's what's making me uncomfortable instead yeah. of being present with the child and while the child is screaming. Dr. Chainway, you had something you wanted to share too. Yeah, I, I just that just kind of reminded me like with my twins when they were like two years old, we went to a doctor's appointment and immediately I opened the door into the doctor's office. Both of them flat out laid on the floor in the doctor's <laughs> office. And I'm not going. <laughs> okay, what do I do now? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. Like, how do I get this under control? Like, <laughs> I was confused, but I had to go down on the knees like, can you get up, please? No. Like, they were at their best display of whatever tantrum they wanted to play. 
I had to take a break myself because I was losing my mind and other people like the nurses <laughs> there saw what was going on. They had to come to the rescue because I did not know how to rescue that because I don't know what to do. Like I'm an African mother and we spank. I'm about to spank somebody at the doctor's office and I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody's going to call social services on me. <laughs> yes. So at that point, I needed to go sit down and let someone else come because I'm not that perfect mom. I don't know how to handle this situation because this is very, very overwhelming for me. So I saw that they saw how I, I went red and they came. They were able to get them off the floor and got them back. In my head, I'm saying, when we get home, you're going to have to explain what you just said. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I feel like these moments are there to challenge us as well as parents to really see ourselves like... I had to ask myself, am I, do I need control right now? Like, is this about my need for control? Is this about my need for them to behave a certain way? Is this my, because I know I'm conditioning now, right? I know that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. So all of this stuff before I got wise, you know, happened. <laughs> but it was because I was facing all those moments like you just talked about, Dr. Janeway, when I had my child doing, doing behaviors I didn't want him to do because it made me look so bad, right? Like mm -hmm. I thought it made me look bad. Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the point. The point was this was a moment for me to learn and for my son to learn. He's, he's taking cues from me, right, about what's more important, me being with him in the moment of him sadness or me making sure he conforms to what everybody else expects him to behave like. He's, he's looking at me and asking me that question in that moment. And I started seeing that. And I started, you know, wondering how can I handle my own insecurity and also show up as a parent for him in his need. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but that's, that's kind of what I went through. Yeah, I... I love that you are willing to step back and do the debrief with yourself later, right? Because if you're a little bit present in the moment and you can recognize, oh, I'm sounding like my mother, this is what I'm saying, these are the patterns that are playing in my head, this is the concerns that have me stressed out. When you do the debrief later, it, it, it points where you need to dig, right? <laughs> Yes. We are we are up on our second break already. So if you are out there listening to us, get your pad, get your piece of paper. And uh, if any of these examples brought some stuff up for you, write it down on your piece of paper. Take note of this may be one of the X's I need to dig under to find out what has been driving me. Um, I know for myself, judgment is like this big neon sign that points to someplace I need to dig. If I'm looking at somebody in, in the grocery store and their child is throwing a fit and I'm like, well, I would never, that mm. I need to dig right there. Mm. <laughs> so uh, write down your dig list and hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827. And let me know, how has the show supported you? 
where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you and go out and live soul first. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales, and I have my incredible panel of healers with me today, and we are discussing healing these ancestral wounds and patterns and what have you. And over the break, you created a, a dig here list. <laughs> There's all kinds of wonderful gold and insight to be found under these places that feel so icky and rotten and nasty. And uh, before the break, we'd been in the aisle in Trader Joe's and our three-year-old was having a screaming, kicking fit in the aisle. Um, and we talked about noticing, you know, what's going through our heads, what are we concerned about in those moments, and just con- disengaging a little bit to get some space. But we never defused the three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nicole, would you like to weigh in on how we actually diffuse the three-year-old? Sure. Yeah, I want to just circle back to that because the most important thing that we can do in that space is connect with the child. And we're only able to connect with the child in that space once we've, what Daniel Siegel would say, is turned down the shark music, <laughs> rounded <laughs> ourselves, yeah. which I actually, sometimes I appreciate that term and sometimes I don't because if we're really having a trauma response to it, which I did and can with like major tantrums, um, some of us will, some of us won't. And if we really are having a trauma response to it, that's why I was like, back off, ground, do some deep breathing, check in with yourself first, and then you can come back. And the first thing that you want to do in that space is connect with that child, you know, start laughing with them. Or I literally have been the mom with the three-year-old in Trader Joe's who wanted to take all of the lemons home and we couldn't. So I got on the floor with her at one point and just sat there and let everybody stare at both of us, 
you know, in this awkward space and it, it helped her shift. So whatever we can do to connect with them. Um, and then also we all, most of us all know the tool of distraction, right? So distracting them, asking them questions, which we might talk about, we, uh, we call orienting. So asking them what they feel, see, taste, smell, hear, help, helping them shift. Yeah, There's something really yeah. profound in what you just said, Nicole, that I, it's like when we don't connect with them, in their moment of tantrum, mm-hmm. it's like sending that subtle message that when you're feeling upset or you're feeling bad, then I don't want anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. I only want to be around you when you're happy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like we've got a whole culture now that's hiding their sadness and hiding their grief and their anger and don't know how to express it because nobody ever taught them how to move through their emotional experience to the other side. Yeah, well, it's like the last thing that you ever get taught in this life is how to be with your emotions, how to take the message out of your emotions, and then how to, to just let them move on to other things. We're, we're taught things like uh, man up and press on regardless. Little boys don't cry. You know, no, nobody likes a whiner, you know, that sort of thing. And a lot of the love that we're raised with in our fam- primary families, I say this because this is, this is the story of my primary family, was very transactional. If you were the good girl, if you got the good grades, if you were pleasant and nice to be with, then, you know, you got the love and the attention oh, and the shit. kudos. And if you weren't, you didn't. See, we're yeah. teaching conformity. We're not teaching yeah. sovereignty if we're using that method. And I think that conscious parenting has got to be about teaching sovereignty and teaching how to move through all the phases of your development from your spiritual quotient, getting into your body, into your emotional development, into your intellectual development, and into your spirituality. It's like the entire spectrum. That's that's the launching pad we're designed to do. And until we've taken that journey ourselves, Mm -hmm. we can't guide another person. So this is the other (laughs) reason why it's so important. We have to do our work as parents. Absolutely. Well, and I hear a bunch of mothers out there thinking, oh, my God, this the bar has just gotten raised, except that it hasn't. Uh, Don't take this as, oh, this is one more perfect thing I have to do. This is permission for you to experience your feelings, to have your moments of I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, this, this social media cover story. I'm a human being, I have this stuff I'm going through and I'm dealing with this stuff. And I have this, what do I want to say, soul level understanding that your child watching you cope with your emotions is going to be far more supportive to them than watching you suck them down and pretend that everything is good and fine and perfect. I could be wrong, but that's... Yeah, I, I'm with you. <laughs> you need to I understand mean, that you're human too and you yeah. have emotions just like they do and you're vulnerable to express those emotions too because you're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're not supposed to be perfect. Exactly. Right. And I think and, just to speak to that conformity yeah. piece that you're talking about, Carrie, and this is actually what came up earlier, so here it is again, um, is I think that you actually do see sometimes those parents that we are comparing ourselves to. I think sometimes you do see, like, they do look like they have the perfect children and maybe not just on social media, 
But what we are creating is a lot of conformity because kids are getting the message that they need to be perfect or they need to be in that one window of tolerance for their parents to like them and praise them. And, and, and that's concerning, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, back to things that we inadvertently teach our children. I know in my generation coming up, we tended to be raised with pretty, what do I want to say? Humility was a value, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and so self-esteem wasn't something that was fostered and there were a lot of messages about, well, who do you think you are um, when you tried to set a boundary or ask for something that, that felt appropriate. So how do we solve the pro this puzzle of childhood self-esteem? Because I know the pendulum swung kind of back the other way for a while and everybody who showed up got a trophy and that's not working out very well for people either. It doesn't turn out to really foster self-esteem. So who wants to take on this bugger? <laughs> okay, I think I'll, I'll kick on on that. Um, as a mental health um, practitioner, one of the challenges that I see a lot with my teenage clients is um, something that has to do with self-esteem challenges that they have. And these are all coming from adverse childhood events that has occurred either because of the way they were raised or the things they witnessed what they were told one of them was just sharing with me how the mother because the mom is not is they have a broken home and he reminds her of his dad the so ex, therefore, yeah therefore mm -hmm. so that hatred is portrayed on him and certain words as i wish you were never born mm. all those are the words that he has heard and has really affected him severely right now. So he's this guy going around feeling unloved, feeling unwanted because this is what has been projected into him. These are the things that has affected him and he feels that he's just not good enough. And one challenging thing, one, I wouldn't say it's a challenge. One thing that happened was one of the days that he came, I brought my son to the clinic. My mom was supposed to pick him. So my son saw him and loved him. He mm. clinged to him, was just all over him, would not leave his side. And this boy broke down in tears. Mm. He's like, this is the first time he's feeling someone wanting him, someone wanting, wanting to be around him. His, his self-esteem was damaged. He's always had this thing that nobody wants me, nobody wants to be around me. And here goes this little four-year-old going all after him crying he wants to be just right where he is sit right where he's sitting and that really changed a lot for him that what i started doing was each time i see his name on the schedule i bring my son to the clinic just wow. so he can have that moment because his self-esteem is severely damaged by the adverse childhood experiences that he's had and is affecting him today and not just him a lot of young ones out there are going through that either because they've been talked down on they've been projected negative things from either their father or their mother on or just uh, wrong things or addictions that they've witnessed or things that they've witnessed in their mm -hmm. family or upbringing is affecting them today and they're not able to stand up for themselves or yeah. feel loved or be valued in the society. Exactly. Well, and the, the bullying that has started started continues to occur in, in schools, for example, can also be extremely corrosive uh, yeah i think it's what, what's your experience carrie i and i want to get to nicole too i think it's really important that we um 
those of us who are conscious, right? So not all parents are conscious, as conscious as others, right? We have a spectrum. And so if you're, if you're seeing something abuse like that and you can't, you can't interfere or stop it, the, the thing is to encourage the child to see themselves in their own power with it. It's like, like I couldn't stop, you know, my husband from saying a few things that were painful for my kids, right? I couldn't, I couldn't right. stop that. But mm-hmm. what I could do is I could tell my kids, listen, I see you in your power. Mm-hmm. How are you going to let that transform you into who you really are? Are you going to let that comment drag you down into feeling bad about yourself? Are you going to boost yourself? And Because here's what I see. If you're interested, I see someone who's this, 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 and this. Absolutely. And pointing out to them, you know, reflecting back to them the things that you've seen that they did or said that are really powerful and showing them their power, you know, and letting them claim it. I think we have mm-hmm. to notice those things and reflect it back. Nicole, did you have something to add? Very similar to what you guys have already said, but I really appreciate that story, Jinwei, of your son. He sounds so sensitive and highly empathic, and he's a blessing to this child. And I think, too, when I think of, you know, in the therapeutic setting, when we see things like that, we give everything that we can within that period of time to that child. And you hope that you plant a seed that continues to grow forward for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I kind of want to cycle back to the husband, right? Because <laughs> this is kind of how these kinds of things show up, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. a family member, it's a teacher, mm-hmm. it's somebody who looks at them and says, well, that's why you're going to mm-hmm. never become anything, end up mm-hmm. in jail, out on, you know, whatever it is, right? These self-fulfilling prophecies that yeah. people like to drop on. When that's your child that's receiving that, what do you recommend? You know, my journey with that has been long, <laughs> about 10 years now. I would say um, at first I got, I was so angry. I tried to counter it by fighting it. And I would say that wasn't very effective. Yeah. So my strategy now with that is to look within myself to heal all the places where that really triggers me. And then to, to be clear enough in myself that I can show up for my child with a loving, compassionate heart and listen to how they feel and listen to what they're saying and not project my story about how much impact it had on him. Because there were times when I just made up this huge story that it really decimated my child to hear that over and over again, when actually he was dealing with it very well. And it was my repeated focus on it that kept provoking it, right, in in my husband. Mm. Because he was getting a rise out of me by doing this behavior. So part of the thing is to realize that this behavioral pattern isn't necessarily about the, the other person and the child. It's about their anger at you and they're trying to take it out on you through the child, you've got to heal that part so that you're no longer the doorway for that kind of abuse to be happening. And that's That's, what I ended up doing. That's beautiful. I love that. Heal the place where it triggers you and then find out exactly what the truth is. Right, because we do, we we create a lot of stories in our minds about, well, what does all this mean and what's gonna be the long-term impact? And frequently it's not what we believe it is. Thank you ladies so much for joining me today. We're up on the end of the show already. Can you believe it? (laughs) Thank you, I loved this. Yes, I think we're gonna have to do more of these. (laughs) So if you're out there in listener land and you enjoyed this and you'd like to hear us dig deeper on some other topics, uh, go ahead and shoot me an email, askzofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A at transformationspace.co. love suggestions for things to discuss people you'd like to see or hear on the show topics you'd like us to dig more deeply into or even compliments i'll take those Mm -hmm. and uh, until next week 
go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week right here.